Big Red Bench. Come on. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. With Sure 72-hour non-stop protection. Tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down. Good evening, folks. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench. We're here with you for the next hour. We certainly have a lot to discuss. Certainly, so we're going to start in Limerick where Cork have beaten Mayo in a superb performance this afternoon in their All-Ireland group stage game. We'll get reaction from six Cork players. We'll also hear from the boss, John Cleary, and Joe McCarthy will be along as well to provide analysis on today's game. We'll also talk to Joe about the dual player issue which has reared its head across Camogie and Ladies Football this week. Also on the show tonight, we are going to talk to Sarah McKenzie as the Canadian Grand Prix takes place later on this evening. We're going to talk soon to Pierce Curling and Football Club who are celebrating their 80th anniversary this year. We'll talk to their chairman, Nilis O'Sullivan, a little bit later on. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. We will wrap up all today's sporting action. First, let's get your full-time report from the Gilligrons. Cork have beaten Mayo 114-111 to in the 56th minute. Cork were down 111 to 8 points following a Tommy Conroy goal but following that they absolutely blitzed Mayo in the closing stage Stephen Sherlock came off the bench and the St Finbar's man converted a penalty to reduce the deficit to 3 points then kicked 3 4 points in a row to make it 112 to 111 from there and deep into injury time John O'Rourke came off the bench as did Chris Old Jones to add late points and Cork have won this one having been at 1 point um, six points down they have turned it around and registered a fantastic but fully deserved victory over Mayo at the TUS Gaelic Grounds reaction to come on the big red bench between six and seven but for now I'm Jeremy Carty reporting from TUS Gaelic Grounds in Limerick yeah absolutely brilliant stuff uh, today from the Rebels and uh, that win and that scoreline that three point win means that Cork will finish second Kerry defeated Laos today a big win for them Four, 524 to 11 points was how it finished so therefore Cork will finish second they will get a home preliminary quarter-final. Mayo will be on the road next weekend. Elsewhere today, a late Rory Grogan free has seen Armabie Galway 16 points to 112 in Carrick and Shannon. So that means they top group two. They're straight into the quarter-finals. Galway finished second. They'll have a preliminary quarter-final at home next weekend. Tipperary will be on the road for theirs. Uh, they finished third. They played out an 18 points piece draw with Westmead today. Dublin topping group three with a 24-point win over Sligo today. Kildare beat Roscommon 116 to one. 15, so that means Kildare finish second. The Rossies finish in third. Elsewhere, Anthony Carlo 119 to 115 in their Talton Cup quarter final at Corrigan Park earlier on today. So they'll join Meath, Leash, and Down in the last four. The draws will be made uh, tomorrow morning. Golf Roy McIlroy writing contention heading into the US Open in Los Angeles as he seeks his first major in nine years. He is on nine under par. He is just one shot behind the leaders, Ricky Fowler and Wyndham Clark. The County Down Man will be teeing off just after quarter past ten Irish time tonight, which is frankly far too late. Far too late. Majors on the West Coast. No fun for us Irish fans watching here. But a Carrington will resume from one under par. Shane Lowry is on level par. Elsewhere in football and the uh, Nations League final uh, taking place later on 
this evening in Rotterdam Croatia and Spain going head to head that's a quarter to eight in the third place playoff Italy have beaten Netherlands by three goals to two it's the Canadian Grand Prix today Max Verstappen will be starting on pole position for that one it gets underway at 7pm and play continuing today at the uh, Ashes at Edge Bast and rain uh, has halted play there uh, not a great start for England in their second innings they're 28 for two they're uh, leading Australia by 35 runs the Aussies posted a total of 386 all out in their first innings but a rain stopping play earlier there this afternoon uh, so yeah that's you up to date with everything right here on the big red bench with sure 72 hour non-stop protection let's go to the Gaelic grounds let's get all that reaction and we'll hear from Joe McCarthy in a bit let's hear though first from the Cork players in conversation with Joe we'll start with the captain and the man who was awarded the man of the match award Ian McGuire uh, Ian McGuire fantastic performance from Cork start to finish held him scoreless for over 12 30 minutes there in the second half but the most important thing is you got the win was there real belief inside in this dressing room coming into it yeah geez I think uh I think our last couple of performances, you know, really have proven that. I suppose we were very disappointed after the Kerry game. Just from the rest of the first half, we probably showed a bit of cageness, a bit of nervousness, but uh, we came out of the blocks flying today. You know, very wet conditions, and it was probably cagey at the, in the first half. But um, we drove on, and to be fair, we kept the nip and tuck. And I suppose we were a bit flat coming out in the second half. But I just thought, you know, people talking about leadership and stuff like that. I just thought, like from one to one to twenty, one to yeah. twenty-one today, I thought it was brilliant. In terms of me Hall with the kickouts in the back line, you know, the boys really had their hands full there. Dan O'Morris, Kev Donovan coming on, you know. That showed excellent leadership, composure, and then Sherlock coming off the bench with John O'Keefe done a huge contributions, and uh, we just thought it was a real quality performance. And I think it showed it showed something that hasn't been said about Cork short hair and it showed a bit of leadership, you know. Yeah, because coming into this, like a lot of the talk was about Mayo winning and what Cork had to do and what what was going to happen afterwards, but you never wavered in that. Like from start to finish, as you said today, there was a sense of belief about this performance. Uh, yeah, I think. I think going into the game, I think everybody knows we're about now, but I suppose we really wanted to make that middle zone, you know, kind of our area to give us an attacking platform. And to be fair, the Hurley, Jesus was tankless there in the first half, you know, he was up on his own. But he did well, maybe he didn't get the conversions that he liked, but he did enough. And then for Sherlock to come in, Chris Ord to come in, it just shows kind of like the, the panel and the depth that is there. And I just think we showed great physicality, I thought we showed great fitness, and I just think it came back to we kind of, we, we showed everybody what we're about today, you know, and we're hoping to kick on, you know. There's nothing won here, to be honest. But it's just more of an opportunity to go again the next day, you know? Do you see in, in your career with Cork, like, you never took a call from six points down in a game this kind of importance and winning, like? Uh, I suppose for, uh, I don't know, other people, I was there in 2014, I was there in 2017 as well, people might not believe that. Uh, I suppose something similar where we were, uh, I think, seven points down, we came back to draw it lasted next time, but I just felt like, during the second half, we started a bit slow, but once we got momentum, I just thought, like, there was only going to be one winner, you know, and I thought we really pushed on. And again, shut up to Conor McCallum, made a super run there after their goal. And Sherlock showed great composure under the spot, you know, and it just shows we're about two players combining like that. And I just showed we kicked on. I think our physicality turnovers were relentless. And I think we went after some of our key players and we got a bit of joy out of it. And again, we probably showed our quality there with about 10 left, you know. Morris uh, Shandy, congratulations. That is a fantastic comeback. Really good performance, start to finish. Real belief in the, th- in the team today, and a really de- he delivered when it mattered most. You must be thrilled. Yeah, yeah, we're delighted now. I suppose we kind of needed to get a big win under our belt at some stage kind of knocking on the door with a few big performances but I suppose we weren't really happy with that we, we kind of needed to drive on and get a win so happy out now we kind of stuck to our process and got, got it in the end um, Defensively today the turnovers you manage you must be pleased with that time and again you, you shut down the middle attack Yeah I think we just decided we needed to man up a small bit 
in the back line I, I, I think we were taught ourselves we were kind of leaking a bit much so we said to ourselves we, we need to just man up and just hit hard I suppose oh, this week so yeah just to try yeah great performance great result probably a home quarter final which is big as well yeah yeah definitely I suppose yeah down to the park now would be nice so yeah we're and uh, yeah. Your, your club kind of guilty playing for a division one place today if they win as well so a big day all around yeah yeah hopefully they get the win now so yeah we'll be keeping an eye on that so yeah. thanks very much for cheers Owen congratulations smashing performance deserved win I mean this has been coming with a wide with this Cork team yeah yeah I suppose uh, we've been in, in the round side of a, a couple of narrow defeats this year and stuff and it's good to be on the other side of it now I suppose especially when we, we went what five or six down like yeah, it looked like they, they had their run us but you know team shot savage character there to turn around like uh, so it's you know it's massive like yeah, I said to some of the other players, the belief was obvious. You know, you can't just manufacture that. The belief there, even with the six points, there was no panic, and he stuck to the game plan. Yeah, we, yeah, we didn't, didn't, didn't panic at all. You know, even you know, I made a mistake for the goal and stuff, and those fellas, you know, around around me and stuff, you know, telling me to refocus and stuff, and you know, that's that's the kind of spirit we built in the team and stuff as well. Like, so you know, the character, you know, is nearly you know the most pleasing thing, I suppose. And now home quarter final as well, and deservedly so. Yeah, I suppose we topped we, we top the group there for a few minutes, but I suppose they're in form that Kerry pulled away in the end and stuff, but not to, to win two out of the three games. You know, we were probably ranked the lowest team, you know, coming into it. And, uh, you know, we were probably disappointed with ourselves last. You know, people were saying it was good performance and stuff against Kerry and a moral victory and stuff, but, you know, we kind of had enough of them and stuff, you know, and we were really disappointed. And, uh, you know, we... We put things right and stuff today, and also satisfying to come up with two wins from from the group. And yeah, well, congratulations! I was here for that preliminary quarterfinal. Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks, man. Uh, Brian O'Driscoll, fantastic Cork display from start to finish. Even six points down the second half, no panic. Got the penalty and fought your way back in. Is that the most satisfying thing about today's win? Yeah, I suppose it's satisfying in one way, but I suppose we'd be disappointed that we found ourselves six down after being a point up at half time. Um, but look. We've, we've confidence in the group of players we have we've confidence in the systems we have so we're delighted to get over the line down now today and yourself as well another good hard effort again today you have to do enough lot of work off the ball that people don't necessarily see but it's suiting you ah yeah look everybody has a job to do be it on the ball or off the ball it doesn't matter as long as you come out the right side uh, delighted to be part of such a good group so look it's onwards and upwards from here hopefully and just finally like a lot of talk coming into it was Mayo were favourites based on previous results and all that but inside this in this panel in this dressing room momentum has been building yeah, I think the bookies had it uh, one to four on. We were four to one. So look, they got it wrong today. Um, they'll have to reassess. But look, we're we're delighted with the win. But again, it's only one small step in the journey. So it's all about next week from now. Congratulations. We'll see you for that preliminary quarterfinal. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Colin McCallan, congratulations. Um, fantastic victory for Cork. For you especially, um, today, as soon as Cork were six points down, after 56 minutes, you went up the other end and won a penalty, and from then on, Cork kicked for home. You must be thrilled. Oh, absolutely delighted. No, to be honest, it was only two minutes ago I found out the way that Kerry, the other result, Kerry beat Low well. But uh, look, we have a home game next. We'll drive on for next week, and hopefully, look, we can get over the lane. Um, from start to finish, though, I know it was six points at one stage, Mayo up to the start of the second half. The self belief in this group, in this panel, inside the dressing room, never wavered. I think that's the big thing to take away from today. Yeah, I suppose the difference between this year and, and other years, I suppose, is leaders all over the pitch, 1 to 15. Like, we all trust each other, and the impact that the subs have, again, unbelievable. Like, they've been winning us the last two or three games there in the championship, and look, hopefully, it'll be the same going forward. Like, it's a, it is a 30 man panel, like, and Joe, in fairness, like, everyone shows up a train and pushes a. They all, we all push each other on, so it is, um, yeah, look, to one, big, one more big push. Hopefully we get all the way. 
Yeah, and a preliminary quarterfinal will be in Parky Cueve now as well. That's a big bonus. Yeah, it is. Hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll draw a nice enough home crowd. Um, we'll see, you know, look, obviously we have a lot of experience playing in Parky Cueve and it's nice to play, nice to play there again. But um, I don't know, it's a waiting game now to find out to see who we have. Monday morning early, you'll know tomorrow yeah, morning. Yeah. yeah, ideal, yeah. Sure, whoever it is anyway, look, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take him on. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Congratulations, Colin. Yeah, uh, Sean Potter, so. how does that performance feel? Victory, yes, but performance, overall performance card today. Um, like <laughs> I know it might sound a bit down but there were still a lot of aspects of me personally and the team would be very disappointed with but obviously beating a massive team like Mayo is the end result and we got a win and we have a home preliminary quarterfinal to look forward to no panic when six point down went down the other end of the ground got that penalty and then Sherlock did his thing is that the key to this, this panel this year that there's, there's momentum there's drive but there's also trust in one another yeah, like it's one of the tightest panels I've been involved in uh, with Cork for the past eight years and you could just see the kind of belief in the team when we went six down years before it could have ended up in an 11-12 point uh, hammering but you could see the minute the minute kind of it hit the fan the boys stood up and we got a penalty and responded very well then. Um, getting a home preliminary quarterfinal being on, in Parky Cueve that's key now as well for lot, you know it's a bit of momentum behind you as well I mean it's going to be a very short week you know you're playing tomorrow morning but look this is where you want to be yeah, like you want to play the big teams every week. Uh, it was an aspiration for us to get promotion to Division 1, but that, uh, that didn't happen. And then they turned to Championship, and look, we have a massive game in a week's time, and hopefully the Cork, the Cork public will come out and support us now. I hope so too. Well done, Sean. Delighted for you. Thank you very much. Thanks, sir. Thanks. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork. So that's Femme John Conversation there with the Cork players after today's super win over Mayo that sees Cork into a home quarterfinal, or preliminary quarterfinal. Next week, Again, the draw will be made tomorrow morning. Let's get the reaction of Cork boss John Cleary uh, speaking after today's game. So I would have been happy enough that it was um, where it was. I wasn't too unhappy. And look, these games are always probably up and down, up and down the first half. And it's really into the second half before the real playing gets going. And again, that's what happened today. Um, and like to mention all the scores off the bench, like Steve in particular, like I suppose it's, it's great that you know you have a fella who's who's able to come in and make such a difference, you know, in a short space of time, like that he can get up to the, the pitch of what's needed. Absolutely, yeah. Look, Stephen is a class player, and um, and it, it's 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 how we can use him and how 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 we can contribute to the panel and the group. That's very important. And look, he came on today, and all I asked every fellow this morning was to do their job, whatever job they had to do. It might be one minute, it might be seventy minutes, and that's what they did today. And uh, that's all we ask any day. And and they left it all out there in the end. And um, you know, I suppose look, we that last free our hearts are in our mouth because yeah. look, it would have been bittersweet to come away with a two point victory. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. So like, at least the victory w- winning today meant something. Yeah. And 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 that that that's what we're we're happy with. And and that you know that that's why it gives us an extra pep in our step going to yeah. the dressing room there now. Hope we we'll have a, a bit of a cold in, in back we've next next half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fairness, look, you can see there after yeah. the game, uh, even the day I, I thought it started in low and I thought even in in in, in Parkie against Kerry we, we, we got we got and support and a lot of them came on here today I think you know maybe they, they saw something in Parky Keeve there that maybe the team is, is worth getting behind and we would love to have a big crowd in next weekend in Parky Keeve um, and, and look I can guarantee you there's no more genuine bunch of lads there that have put their shoulders to the wheel since last Christmas and, and they got their dual award today in a small sort of way but look next weekend is a big game again just like last week, John, like you talked after the Dublin League game, the Derry, uh, the Kerry game, just not managing to get that win. Having done it now against a big team, that's a big thing for the group. 
It, it is, yeah. Look, look, we, we knew we can't get on to the next level until until we maybe would beat, first of all, beat the Division 1 team once and then maybe trying to start doing it on a regular basis. And, and it's only then that we'll really see if we're making progress up along the line. Um, but we we did need to, to get a Division 1 scalp under our belt and that what we came in here, you know, fully prepared today to try and do that. And uh, look, it's it's onwards and upwards now, hopefully. But look, we're, 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 we're not fools either. And, and, and that this, this, this just won't happened overnight and uh, look I think Mayo still could have a very good say in the championship and and, and teams are only warming up now really we, we've given an awful lot there the last few weeks just to stay in the in, in, in the championship uh, whereas other teams maybe are tipping along and maybe they'll peak later but that's for another day for us you know What will the performance not the result John but the performance and the manner in which you came back to for a group that has plenty of self-belief but what, what kind of boost will that give you respect yeah. to Well I think our performances the last two or three days have been very good and even all the year there was only one match in the in the McGrath Cup, the League or Championship that we that we were beaten by more than one score, and that was meat game. And game we ironically should have won handy enough. And uh, so, you, you know, there was never a lack of belief in that in that we couldn't compete. But was to just get over the line is in the tight games. We didn't do it against Kerry and had our chances. I thought we took our chances better today, more of them, and uh, that's that's why we got out on top. The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. That's John Cleary there speaking to Jur um, after today's win over Mayo. Three-point win at sees Cork into the preliminary quarterfinal and with a home time, Porky Cueve. And as John said there, get down to Porky Cueve and support the lads next weekend. All the support would be will make a huge difference for the Rebels next week. Uh, before Jur left the Gaelic grounds, I had a chance to talk to him about that game, about the performances of the players, about the impact of John Cleary, but also the dual player issue that's affected uh, Cork LGFA and uh, Cork Mogi this week. Uh, we had Hannah Looney on the show last week talking about it uh, so I'll talk to you about that as well. Alright, we're joined online now by Joe McCarthy uh, who's at the Gaelic Grounds today for Red FM Sport to witness a superb second half rally from the Rebels to see them deservedly beat Mayo and that is the thing, Jared. That was a deserved win for Cork. 100% Rory. I mean that's the big storyline I suppose as well as Stephen Sherlock's cameo coming out of it is that a point, you know, only a point in it at half time all the way through today. Cork were, you know, deserved this win. And there was a one stage where they found themselves six points down after Mayo got their goal and it was late you know, it was midway late in the second half and you're wondering, here we go again. But this team and this panel, um, as each of them said afterwards and as John Cleary said, there's a lot of self belief in this group, really is. They feel that, you know, they beat low, they don't think a lot a lot of people were saying it was a moral victory against Kerry you know, playing well and not losing or, or losing but they don't go in for that anymore and by their own admission and John Cleary's admission Cork needed to take a Division 1 team scalp this year and they've just done it but more importantly as you said they've deserved to do it because from being six points down in previous years against Mayo with a huge Mayo following here today you know Cork teams wouldn't have got the job done but this team is different this panel is different there's game changers on the bench there's players to come back from injury and there's just that self-belief and momentum about them and they weren't going to accept defeat and they, when they found themselves six points down Colin McCallan went up the other end won a penalty Sherlock buried it and from there he kicked another five points he had an absolutely brilliant performance coming off the bench with a point to prove I would imagine mm. and then late substitutes as well it's worth mentioning Chris Oak Jones who didn't start John O'Rourke who didn't start they came out and got the, the insurance points at the end but the thing is Rory, they were being, they were shouting at them from the sideline. Cork needed to win by three points, because Kerry, Cork, and Mayo all finished on the same number of points in their group, and we were working out with calculators and supercomputers <laughs> in the media section at one stage. What did this mean? But had Mayo scored a late point, 
and Cork only, you know, the goal points difference might have been different. It doesn't matter now. They held on and they did not just held on, but, you know, keeping Mayo scoreless for the last 14, whatever it was, 15 minutes is no easy feat. Mm. And I think whatever about Sherlock's cameo on, he was brilliant. The defence today was the reason Cork won. The turnovers, the, the tackling and the effort all the way through the, the, the entire game. This wasn't a smash and grab by any means. This was a fully deserved victory. And more importantly, tomorrow morning's draw at half eight Cork now will have a home preliminary quarter final and that's the key thing coming out of it it certainly is um, just speaking of John Cleary as you mentioned him, he's not a man to take huge piles of credit but he certainly deserves it for the way he's transformed this core team by his own admission Rory in the interviews that we've done on the big red bench with him in after match interviews you know it's year two of his tenure and you know they're still a Division 2 team they need to get out of Division 2 as quickly as possible and they didn't manage to do that this year which was a disappointment there have been up and down, ups and downs um, but of late I think thankfully and I think since the start of the year 2 if you look back that far when we started following even the McGrath mm-hmm. Cup there's been the, the consistency has developed and the momentum has slowly gathered yes Kerry beat us on our home patch but Kerry would beat most teams in the country at the moment anyway they're just that's just where they're at but this Cork team is further along down its life cycle thanks to John Cleary as their manager. Now, they're not perfect. There's still an awful lot of things that need to be addressed. And I don't think we call ourselves all earning contenders today. But considering the bookies had, you know, I think it was 4-1 to one or 5-1 to one on uh, Mayo coming into today's game, this team now, this Cork team under John Cleary you now has self-belief. And what he's also done is he's settled the defence. He's got a goalkeeper. The kickouts were on point today. And that's hugely important against a physical team like Mayo. Things are improving with every game and the better the opposition the better Cork seem to be getting under John Cleary um, no by no means the finished article next year is a huge year for Cork no matter what happens from this point onwards but I think in a group of four teams with Kerry Mayo and Lowe's to come second mm. and to have a home court, preliminary quarter final I think that's a fair reflection on where Cleary has the team at at the moment they're, they're, there's still a lot of work to do there's still a lot of um, development to do certainly up front but the manner in which they've learned how to defend en masse and hit teams on the break with the pace of Potter, with the likes of, you know, Killian O'Hanlon doesn't get an awful lot of press coverage. Rory Dean, the same, and Brian O'Driscoll. That half-forward line, I keep saying and I keep writing about it, they're so important in the way they recover ball and move it quickly into the danger areas. They did that today and they got their just rewards. Far from a finished product under John Cleary, but certainly a lot further down the road and I think a lot of people had them at this point mm. in the season Stephen Sherlock at 1-5 today as you mentioned already Ger, um, <laughs> off the bench right now he's obviously going to be massively disappointed to be starting on the bench but I've seen Sherlock described on Twitter today as not a substitute but a finisher now this is the age old argument like if he's good enough to be starting he should obviously be starting but I mean like he's now proven himself that if he comes off the bench he can change a game so now clearly has a bit of a conundrum does he start him or does he keep him in that super sub um, finishing role that's a really good question and it's going to be a big talking point in the build-up to whoever Cork play. Here's what I know. Um, had Sherlock started today, I don't think he would have had the role he had when he came on. Mm. Because if you look at Brian Hurley, Brian Hurley was being pulled and dragged by David McBride and Padre Gohora and he got very little change out of him. But that's because he was up there on his own most of the time. So when Cork break from defence, they need an agile forward coming out gathering possession linking it together and going again I don't think Sherlock is necessarily that type of player but if you want to talk Stephen Sherlock playing for Cork look back over my echo columns for the last year or four years <laughs> he's the top club scorer in, in the club championship in the home league times every time he plays he's the top, he's more or less the top scorer for the Bears this guy is a Cork senior and he should be starting but 
in what Cleary is trying to do. If you can bring somebody on fresh like Sherlock against a tiring defence and he gets 1-5, would you not rather do that than lose his influence throughout the, the start of the game, the first three quarters of the game, like Brian Hurley? Like, everybody knows what a talent Brian Hurley is, but he got no ball in the danger areas today. And any time he did, he was, he was marked 2-1-1. On I think if Sherlock was playing in that role, he'd be equally frustrated and he mightn't benefit from it. So what I'm getting at is that I think Cleary will, I think Cleary will stick with Sherlock personally as somebody coming off the bench rather than start him, depending on the opposition the next day. That's not a reflection on that he's a, he's a good or a bad player or that he's not capable of playing, you know, starting. I just think he saw today a hungry player coming off the bench, changing the game. And would you not want that in a tight game if we get a really tough draw the next day out? Or would you rather take the risk of starting him and maybe being well marked throughout the game and not having the influence that he kind of had as a bench, as a substitute? It's a really tough question for John Cleary to ask, but I think knowing John Cleary, if he feels... Cork have a better chance with Sherlock coming off the bench 20 minutes fresh he will do that and people mightn't like it but I think he might do that but there's no doubting that this guy is one of the sharpest forwards in the country not just in Cork and he proved it again today and I don't think Sherlock needs to start to prove that the next day to answer your question directly mm. it's an interesting one it's going gonna, it's gonna to develop a lot of colleagues and a lot of uh, varying degrees of, of, of passion in, in responses for, for far and against but make no mistake, Sherlock's one of the best forwards in the country and clearly knows that. But how he uses him in the preliminary quarterfinal, we'll have to wait and see. But it'll be fascinating to see well, what happens. Certainly will be. And it is a home preliminary quarterfinal, as you mentioned, Ger, and on today's show, I don't think Cork will fear anyone. No, and this is the thing. I mean, it, it's that's a really good Mayo. This Mayo team were not won the National League Division 1 title this year, beating Galway. Let's not forget that. They beat Tyrone, they beat Kerry, they beat a lot of good teams in the early part of the season. They got knocked out by Roscommon in the Connacht Championship, which was a huge surprise result, even though the Rossies are a very, very good team. It was a surprise result. Kevin McStay had seven weeks off before the Kerry game. And in those seven weeks, he gave the Mayo team a fortnight off. No football, no training. They had five hard weeks of training, and look what happened. They ended Kerry's, it was a 38-39 match, unbeaten run at home. Mm -hmm. The next day out against Lowe, they struggled against a mass defence. And I think this is what I wrote about as well for the Echo previously. Those two matches, when you analyse them, I think the Cork management team focused on the Lowe game more because Cork set up very much like Lowe today where they got everyone behind the ball under 45, same as Mayo, left Brian Hurley up in his own, maybe with an odd forward like Potter or somebody else, McSweeney, the odd time, and they turned them over repeatedly in the first half. The defence was really, really good today. Shanley, Maguire, um, Tommy Walsh who came in, that full back line. And don't forget Michal A. Martin had one important save very early on in the game, which was hugely important um, when Aidan O'Shea burst through. That might have put a different complexion on things. And like the half back line is flying. Luke Fahey, Daniel O'Mahony, Matty Taylor, they're agile, they're ferocious in the tackle. And the amount of ball that Cork turned over today with the way they set up defensively, I think mimicked a lot of what Lowe did to me, Mayo in the previous match. And I think rather than go gung-ho and one-to-one -one like they did against Kerry, I think the Kerry manage, or the Cork management team under Kerry got their tactics right today. I think they've been proven right because Mayo didn't play badly, mm. uh, Rory. Cork didn't allow them to play. Now, they, Ryan O'Donoghue was in for some serious personal, how shall I put it, aggressive attention. And, Cork, and so some Cork tackles were overzealous, to put it mildly, and there might have been more than a yellow card at one, at one point. But you live on the edge, and you have to live on the edge if you're going to win. And the final 20 minutes was not about the defence, it was about the forwards and the game changers and the shooters that came off the bench. As I said, Chris Oak-Jones, John O'Rourke, both got points, but it was the introduction of Sherlock and that self-belief that even at six points down against Mayo, with a huge crowd, you know, Cork were well outnumbered today. 
well outnumbered today. It has to be said in the 9,000 plus crowd. It was mostly Mayo fans. They didn't lose their shape. They didn't panic. And they worked their way back into the game, took the lead and then took the game and didn't sit on their lead uh, at the end. Look, I'm just so happy for John Cleary and the management team because they've been working towards this all year and it came to fruition today. All it's done though, as Ian McGuire has told us in the big red bench in the interview, all it's done though is earned them a preliminary quarterfinal at home. So we have to put it into perspective. But beating a Division 1 team, beating the Division 1 champions, beating a Kevin McStay coach team and a really talented male, serious props to Cork for today and they fully, fully deserve it. Indeed, huge congratulations to the Cork footballers. Just want to have you on the line, Ger, you were down to watch Cork uh, play down yesterday. Cork's these footballers beaten by Galway last night but it's been a big week uh, in the debate about dual players. Um, we had Hannah Looney on the Big Red Bench last week and she passionately pleaded with the uh, Ladies Gaelic Football Association and the Camogie Association to talk to each other to, to try and solve this situation. It didn't happen and four Cork players are placed in an impossible situation again yesterday. Libby Coppinger got into a car straight after that down game, went up to play in the second half of that Galway game. It's incredible, Jura, that this, in the year 2023, that it's A, still happening, and B, it's going to end in the end of the dual player. Um, well, just on that, Aoife Healy did the same. Rory, as you, uh, she got into the car as well. So there was two car players left to pitch uh, immediately after the, the, the Camogie match and drove up. Uh, Libby Coppinger played, Aoife Healy didn't. And Orla Cahalan, of course, unfortunately suffered a, a, a bad leg injury um, in the week prior to that. So she hasn't featured at all. We don't know how long she's going to be out. Here's what I know. Um, the Camogie Association and the Ladies Football Association, as proven this past weekend, are not willing to sit down and talk mm. and move things around. Okay, that's a fact. Why do I know that's a fact? Because in two weeks' time, Rory, we're going to be having the exact same conversation. Cork are in Clare for a hugely important Camogie match on the same evening. Uh, at the moment, Cork are scheduled to host Tipperary and Clonakilty in an equally important ladies football group game. So already, without a, without, and it, I, I'm not saying it's fact, but in my opinion, and this is not Big Red Bench's opinion or Cork's Red FM's opinion, this is my opinion, the, L, the Ladies Football Association and Camogie Association, if they're not willing to sit down and discuss something that was, they had two weeks to get started, by the way, when the fixtures came out, yeah. two weeks to get it started and didn't get it done. They are, they, to me, this is my opinion, they're leaving it to Cork to sort it out amongst themselves. And that's not fair in Shane Ronan. That's not fair in Matthew Toomey. And it's certainly not fair in Libby Coppinger, Aoife Healy, Orla Callan, and Hannah Looney, or any other dual player that want, that chooses to play both sports. My reading of social media, which is never a good barometer, to be honest with you, but the press of the past week, is that more and more support for those four players is unfortunately eroding. And it's eroding from outside of Cork. A lot of people know outside of Cork are saying, why are we holding all this up just because it's four players? And my answer to that is, it doesn't matter whether it's four players or just one player. If there's a little girl in some in some county up the country that has aspirations to play camogie and football for her county, she has every right to aspire to those dreams and every right to realise them with two associations that should be helping her out. Dual players are a gift to both sports, not a hindrance. And the four players involved that we've mentioned in Cork go above and beyond and have to deal with the same crap over and over again. And neither association is willing to listen. They're willing to, to, to listen to the players and, you know, they're upset for them, but they're not willing to budge one or the other to help them out. That's a fact after this weekend. And it's going to happen again the weekend after next. So what does it say? It says that if neither association is willing to budge and the four players involved are going to suffer, it's never going to change. Or is it, Rory? When the three associations apparently come together, what's going to happen then? 
it may take those three associations coming together for that to work. But in the meantime, it's not fair on Shane Ronan. It's not fair on Matthew Toomey. It's not fair on Cork LG Fair, Cork Camogie, who work normally very, very well together, it has to be said. But they're being put in an impossible situation trying to help out these players. And my big concern with all of this, don't mind results, don't mind uh, injuries, don't mind associations, don't mind managers not getting on, don't mind associations not getting on. It's the mental health mm. of the four players involved that's being affected and nobody should have to be put through that and I'm getting angrier and I'm going to have to calm down as well but, but I'm sick of it because if it takes one phone call as Hannah Looney said to you in the interview one email to go we'll move this week and then you move the two weeks later surely be the guy that could be managed I mean you know everybody from the outside looking in so I don't know what the reluctance is between the LGFA and the Camogie Association is to do that I really don't I don't understand it and I'm open to correction on it if Hilda Breslin and the, or the LGFA want to come on online or come on to the big red bench and explain it I'd love, I'd love if they did but we're left with four players whose mental health I'm worried about and it's not fair and it's not going to go away and it's incredibly frustrating and if I'm just frustrated talking mm. about those four players involved imagine those four and just last point Rory as I said people that are saying it's only four players that's not the point yeah. it's only four players at the moment who are capable of playing dual, play, dual and are well able to do it there's loads of other girls young girls coming up through the ranks all over this country who have every right to play camogie or ladies football for their county if they're good enough and what does the LGFA and the camogie association behaviour over the last couple of weeks say to those young girls coming through the ranks Yeah it's infuriating and uh, you want to be hitting your head off the wall just like because I think it's stubborn pride from both associations and that neither of them wants to be the first person to flinch and concede ground to the other is that uh, an incorrect reading of it? Am I right? The honest answer is I've had the same kind of idea but I don't know Nobody seems to know, Rory, because nobody's talking from either association. Yeah. They put their fixtures out. They say, this is what we do always. This is what we're doing. You're not moving. We're not moving. But they're not taking into account. I think the fixation on the four Cork players is actually affecting the overall. There's a bigger question here. There's a bigger issue here. And it's for the generations that come after Libby Coppager, Orla Cahalan, Hannah Looney and Aoife Healy that want to play both sports and have every right to play both sports. You look at it now, and I see so many. I, I worry greatly for the four players, as I said, and I worry greatly for the future of both associations because if they're going to come under the one umbrella, what's going to change? If this is the carry on at the moment, and you know, if you can't start it out for four players, if you can't move one fixture one weekend and another fixture the other weekend, and even then, that's not ideal. But even 24 hours grace to give those players a chance to do what they want to do, they've given their life, they've given up their personal lives and all the dual players before them have given up their personal lives to represent their county to the best of their ability they've done it to the point where they're good enough to play both sports at the highest level and they're being curtailed from doing that by two associations that refuse to talk to each other that have a simple phone call and a simple email and if it's not that simple well come out and tell us why because we're at the point now where it's just exasperation and what else are are those girls supposed to do I mean, if you're asking somebody to jump in a car and speed up the road, having given your all for one sport, and come on and try and help the, the other the other team that you're part of, it's not fair. It, there's no end. There's no positive ending to this until we get those two associations to come out and explain exactly why they won't support the dual players. Correct. Very well said. You're very, very, very well said. And I hope it's sorted out in two weeks. But I, my gut feeling is we're going to be having the exact same conversation here during the big red bench in two weeks' time. Unfortunately, I think you're right. Jura, a pleasure as always, sir. Thank you very much for joining us on the Big Revenge today. Nice one. Talk to somebody. Thank you, Jura. You can. 
George's frustration, I think, speaks for us all, and that dual player issue is just an absolute joke at the stage that it is happening, and very, very unfair on the four players that are involved. And uh, as we said, we spoke to Anna Looney last week, and she was basically on air with me pleading for the associations to, to talk to each other. And it hasn't happened. It's going to happen again in two weeks. It's just unbelievably frustrating and unbelievably unfair on those players. And Jura articulated very, very well there indeed. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to look ahead to uh, the Canadian Grand Prix, which is getting underway very shortly. And we are going to talk to the Pierre Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Roy here with you until 7pm this evening. You're listening to the Big Red Bench with Sure, non 72-hour non-stop protection. I'm delighted you could join us here this evening. It's going to be a great uh, night of golf ahead. Roy McIlroy, can he win his first major uh, since 2014 and his fifth in total? He is one shot off the leaders going into tonight's uh, final round of the US Open at the Los Angeles Country Club. Ricky Fowler, Wyndham Clark uh, sharing the lead there on 10 under par McElroy says he's in decent shape though you know sort of felt somewhat stress free out there if you can ever call golf at a US Open stress free but uh, overall yeah pretty pretty pleased with, with how today went and um, you know feel like I'm in a good spot heading into tomorrow it's been such a, a long time since I've done it I you know I'm, I'm going out there to try to execute a game plan and I feel like over the last three days, I've executed that game plan really, really well. Uh, you know, I just need to do that for one more day. All right, not too far to go to the start of the Canadian Grand Prix today in Montreal. Our F1 expert, Sarah McKenzie Foley, joins us on the line. Now, Sarah, thanks for joining us on the bench this evening. Yeah, of course. Always happy to, to chat F1. <laughs> uh, qualifying, yes, they um, certainly a very wet session at the, the Circus Gilles Villeneuve in Montreal, but it was a Max Verstappen who took the pole, and uh, I suppose uh, I suppose when you're fastest, you're going to take pole, and that proved yesterday. Yeah, I think it was an interesting session. Like you said, the weather, I mean, it was raining, it wasn't raining, then it was raining again. How heavy was the rain? It was really, really tough on a lot of the, the teams and the drivers to try and get their strategy right. I mean, mm. in Q2, fair play to Williams and Alex Albon. I, I don't know who within the team made the call to go to dry tyres, but they should get a, a pat on the back because they made that call at the exact right time. But in those conditions, it's just so, so tricky to get that right. Yeah, because uh, Charles Leclerc was very upset with his team yesterday for not taking his advice on tyres and what he wanted to mm. do and finished uh, in 11th. Yeah, I mean, he's really unhappy at the moment and it's, I say at the moment, it's kind of turning into quite a long a long and difficult relationship now with, with the team and I think he's also kind of not, the pendulum of momentum is not with him at the moment. Mm. It's a little bit with science. Obviously, he did he did crash uh, earlier on in the weekend, but he he is kind of performing a little bit more consistently than than Leclerc. And as you say, the team have a very unusual approach to communications and trusting their drivers. And I just think, I just think there's a lack of trust there with Leclerc and Science. I just don't know if the team believes that they are capable of always making the right call. But obviously, as a driver, that's really frustrating because if you don't even get a chance 
to make the right call, then you can't build that trust. So I think it's just a really difficult period for them. I, I would like to see them have, you know, a stronger race this weekend. I think they're obviously in the middle of the pack, but potentially tire strategy if they if they do listen to the drivers and they mm. do get it right today then they could move themselves up for sure like Charles came out yesterday and said the Ferrari have to be better when you're openly criticising your team I suppose by extension your bosses like that I suppose it can only end mm. one way really can't it yeah it's not great and I mean they have Fred Vasseur who came in earlier this, this year and he's been very candid about the issues that he's uncovered in his time figuring out the team so I think everyone is kind of looking at themselves a bit more closely in there now, which I think is the right thing to do. But it is, as you say, it's still very uncomfortable and it doesn't really make for a very easy, you know, kind of culture. There's definitely mm. no harmony in that team from what I can see at the minute. Yeah, so how do you think it's going to uh, play out? Is it as simple as just about Sharon moving team as soon as he can? I, I don't know because I there's, a, there's talks now as well that Carlos signs his seat isn't safe there mm. so I think it's tricky because they really did make a bet on these two younger drivers I think they were hoping that they would sort of be the future of the team for quite a long time to come but obviously that hasn't happened and I think maybe what they need is to go back to what is really a tried and tested combination in Formula 1 is an older driver and a younger driver it just particularly if you can find an older driver that's willing to mentor the younger one you know it just it if you find that sweet spot as a team you can be really successful and create a future as well so i think unfortunately just this combination as great as it looks on paper it just really hasn't worked out um, a number of drivers yesterday, I suppose, um, were given penalties. Four drivers were given mm. penalties yesterday. The biggest, I suppose, the most headline one was Nico Hulkenberg, who had qualified in second, but uh, three grid, uh, three place uh, penalty grid has put him back to fifth, which must be incredibly frustrating for him. Yeah, he he had the momentary joy of being uh, being P two up there on the front of the grid, <laughs> but it it did look quite harsh i will say that you know he there was a red flag came out and the stewards had basically deemed that he was going too fast uh, just at the end of of the end of the before the red flag came out i should say and i think it's it's tough on him i think he you know the house would have been out of place anyway for sure mm. but it's even harder the further you get pushed back into the pack so I think, you know, the silver lining for him is that he looked good most of the weekend. I think that, you know, the track, it looks like is going to be dry today. There's only about a 20% chance of rain. So you never know at the start, depending on what happens, he could he could manage. I, I strongly believe he'll still, still manage to score points today. I just mm-hmm. don't know how far up into that top 10 he'll be. Yeah, as you mentioned there, Sarah, it is going to be dry for the race, uh, but it looks at things as well. What's the circuit like? And can we expect uh, many overtaking opportunities today? Things always get a little spicy in Canada. There's always, <laughs> uh, there's always an opportunity for something to happen. And they have made some changes to the circuit as well. So I think... You know, especially when you don't get dry running the day before and then you're kind of, you know, all the rubber has gone off the track overnight because of the rain. It's it's going to be interesting. I think they're really going to have to be careful on, on tyre strategy. I mean, for example, Mercedes and Ferrari, neither of them actually have enough hard tyres left to do the optimum strategy that Pirelli have said is going to be the fastest way to finish mm-hmm. line. So I think there's going to be a good deal of variety in there. I think... You know, you've got Hamilton and Alonso sitting behind Verstappen. And I think 
we should all be expecting them to push him as hard as they possibly can from lights out because we know that once he builds up any kind of gap, it's basically game over. So as much as they don't like each other, I think it's going to be (laughs) a bit of a two-pronged attack here because that's really the only way to combat Max Verstappen at this point in that car. So are you expecting Max Verstappen win tonight, so? I think barring, like I say, anything miraculous happening at the at the beginning of the race, I think unfortunately, yes. Um, but I'm still, I have hope and I'm keeping my fingers crossed. All right, uh, the action getting underway there at seven o'clock. Sarah, as always, thank you for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Thanks, Mel. Oh, it's a pleasure to join or have Sarah join us on the Big Red Bench this evening talking all things F1. You can uh, follow Sarah Mac tweets underscore uh, for all the best F1 analysis. All right, uh, we are running out of time on the Big Red Bench, so we are going to talk to Nipirshik Hurling and Football Club who are celebrating their 80th 80th anniversary this year. The club are looking forward to a more secure future after support from Community Finance Ireland enabled the club to restructure their existing bank debt. I've been speaking to club chairman Neil Sullivan about the club's history, its plans for the future, and plenty more. All right, delighted to be joined on the line now by the club chairman of the Pearshire Hurling and Football Club, Neil Sullivan. Neil, uh, delighted you could join us on the Big Red Bench. First off, thanks for joining us. No problem at all. Looking forward to the, the chat. Yeah, as am I. Um, tell us, like, you're gearing up for the club's 80th anniversary. It's a, a huge milestone. And Napierschig, I suppose, synonymous with Cork hurling, particularly on the north side. And it's such a huge part of the local community on the north side as well. That's, That's right. Yeah. Um, well, as you say, it's the 80th coming up. Um, we've, you know, a lot of kids here from the locality, a lot of kids that grew up with the club, made friends with the club. Our camogie section is thriving at the moment. We could badly do with some new kids coming into the club, like all city clubs at the moment, they're struggling at underage level, but we're working hard at that. We put in um, a, a, a coach in all the local schools, and you know, it's it's like, it's a struggle at the underage, uh, under, underage side, but we have a brilliant underage committee and a juvenile committee that are working uh, tirelessly, I suppose you could say, for the community and for the local kids. Mm-hmm. But it's a very expensive thing as well to be doing, you know. Okay. So that's why we're all looking for sponsors and stuff like that. But it's hard work, but we're getting there. Yeah, I can imagine. As you say, um, you said there that I suppose it's something that affects all the city clubs at the moment is the underage section. Is that because of, I suppose, competition from other sports? Is it just kids not playing sport? What is it, do you think? Um, I'd say it's a bit of both, really. I'd say, I'd say, you know, like years ago, kids in Nottingham City would to play sport, you know, and but now they seem to, you know, there's yeah, just too much distractions, I suppose you could call it, from sport itself, you know. And I think another thing as well is, I, I don't know, are the parents pushing kids to join sport as much mm-hmm. as they used to before, you know? Um, you know. I was involved in the Andrea section of this club myself. We said 15, 20 years ago, and like we had huge numbers of kids, but it just died off. You know, it, it, as as I said, all city clubs are struggling, and the area then as well. You know, it's an old area, you know, and there's there's a bit of building now going back on again in the area. So hopefully we'll get some from that. You know, but it's hard work. It's hard work, but the phones, the whole lot of the kids, yeah. you know, and like. It's, you know, it's, it, the only thing is that when we get them in the door, we are inclined to keep them. 
So that's really the important part of it is again getting getting them in the door, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, is it a case of, I suppose building the done red structure of the club right back up from the from the ground up, and I suppose kind of feeding that into the senior team over the coming years. That's it, exactly. I mean, presently, you know, like we were relegated the last year from the from the top tier, but we're fighting hard again this year now to get back up, and we have the right people in there, and you know, and a lot of the players that are actually on that senior team. Um, would be young, you know, they'd be 19, 20, that age, that age group, you know, which is probably the right age group to get them to where we're going. But, you know, at the same time, there's not a great amount of them there, you know, but we'll get there, we'll get there. Yeah, he certainly will. And as you say, you put a, you put a coach into all the schools, I suppose, which is going to be a massive help. And just getting the kids playing Gaelic games in schools, I suppose, is a natural pathway for them coming in the doors in the Pearshick. Exactly, yeah, exactly. We have now in five schools in the north side, you know, and then, as I said a while ago, again, it's another huge expense in the club, which the club is carrying itself. You know, so there's no, there's nothing available at the moment to to cover the or coach in the school. Is the the is the the club itself is covering it, which is it's practically a full time job. You know, but as I say, without him, we're not going to get the numbers in the door because if you don't get them from the schools, you won't get them. Mm. And I suppose in the Pearshick, like all the other clubs, I suppose uh, around the city and, and and around the county, I suppose as well, they're very much a focal point of of their local communities. Oh, we are, yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's really grandmothers, and you see grandmothers here, and you know that that dead kids, dead kids in the club, forty, fifty years ago. We have a bingo here as well. You even see a lot of them at the bingo, you know. But like we have a, we have our own. We're lucky we have a we have a club bar, and like it's it's probably the hub really of where we're located. There's n- nothing else around the pair, you know. So mm. that is a big um, that is another big bonus for the locality. Mm-hmm. And uh, eighty years of history, as you mentioned as well. I mean, like you've had some amazing successes with three, I suppose, senior championships the last in two thousand and four, and some amazing players. Lining out for an appearance to the likes of Tony O'Sullivan and Sean O'Gahalpin and John Gardner. I'd imagine like Sean O'G is pretty much a celebrity every time he rocks through the gates, is he? Well, he is to strangers, you know. But like Sean, <laughs> Sean is a very ordinary guy. And in fairness, like the three you mentioned now are still doing Trojan work in the club. Tony is involved big time with the the underage section. He's driving that on. Sean O'G and John Gardner are with the senior hurlers. Like they're up here four or five nights a week, you know, mm. the, the work that the three doors are putting in is great, you know, and it's good to see people of that calibre putting it back into the club. Yeah, it certainly is, all right. And as you mentioned, uh, I suppose relegation last year to Premier Intermediate hurling this year and with Kilnamartra, Hada and Kil Shanig, so it'll be... A, a, no, that's in, that's in the, that's in the football. football. Sorry, yeah. yeah. In, sorry. In, in, the hurling, in the hurling, in the hurling league, actually, we're still Division 1. Yeah. You know, and we're do, we're doing very well. We're doing, you know, we won. F- uh, I think we've won four this year. Now we lost three and drew one, which is actually slightly above our expectations for the year coming up. You know, but like as as Sean Owen, John Gardner, James O'Connor, our club accountant, they, they're all part of that. You know, and it's just unbelievable the work that they're doing, mm. which we we were lucky as well. Is and we got a new gym, right? In fairness, our sponsors, artists. Put a gym in for us, you know, and yeah. we can't speak highly enough as artists. And um, it's after bringing the young young kids as well as the, our, our senior players on, you know, that we have a rule over 
all right that you can't go into the gym until you're 17. If you're younger than that, you have to be with an adult. But the gym is after bringing people on totally different than last year. Yeah, it's a huge, I suppose, asset to have, I suppose. And as you mentioned, it'll help players, I suppose, develop physically, I suppose. And that's a big part of, I suppose, Gaelic Games at the moment is the physicality that's in the game. Oh, sure. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's we, 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 were, we were playing... We were playing Charleville last night. We were beaten by a pint. We were eight pints up at halftime. And in fairness, the boys started just changing a few, to look at a few players coming on and all that. And we were beaten by a pint in, but completely different. Charleville relegated us last year, you know. It was mm-hmm. completely different turnaround last night. Certainly, yeah. And it's, it's actually Bride Rovers killer. And in Iscari, you've got in Group A the Senior Ray Hurling Championship. I That's misread right, my yeah, notes yeah. there we uh, a couple of seconds ago. chances there. Yeah. <laughs> Handy enough group, you know, though. It's, it's still a tough group, yeah, but. You know, we're fairly confident there, you know, that uh, we should come out of that anyway, you know. <laughs> Fingers crossed, yeah. Tell us, Nellis, um, as we mentioned, the eighth year anniversary is coming up. What are the plans, I suppose, for the club this year? Um, well, the, 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 the club in general, I suppose, we, like we were lucky there, CFI, uh, Community Finance Ireland, <clears throat> we they, we refinanced our loan. Um, with, with We were with the Ulster Bank, but we cleared our loan with the help of well not cleared it like but just transferred it really to the the CFI which absolutely brilliant people to deal with mm-hmm. and um, we were able to restructure the club in a way that senior meetings now don't consist of money meetings anymore you know we can talk about hurling and football we can talk about the likes of the 80th anniversary coming up this year while last year and for I say for the last four or five years before that, like we it was like all senior meetings were money, money oriented, the whole lot of them, you know. But no, they're they're we're they're after putting us into a fine spot. Mm-hmm. Very lovely, easy people to deal with. And here I say it again, James O'Connor, our accountant, work wonders for us with this with this loan with these people. But uh, lovely and easy people to deal with. Mm-hmm. But getting back to the eightieth, um at the moment we we do not know what we're doing for it, you know. We planned, probably will do something, make it, if, like for the 75th now, it was probably one of the best days that we had in the club and hopefully we'll have a kids' day, you know, a couple of competition, a couple of matches maybe on on the pitches and in the club we probably didn't have a, you know, general... A bit of small bit of a party, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll have to, I suppose. That's an appreciate chairman, uh, club chairman, Neil O'Sullivan speaking to me. Uh, about the radio anniversary this year, and as you mentioned, Community Finance Ireland uh, helping uh, with the club uh, to restructure their debt. So, the Pearson's certainly in a more secure footing going forward. And uh, fantastic uh, congratulations to them on celebrating their 80th anniversary this year. But we are out of time. Thank you very much indeed for tuning in to the Big Red Bench this evening. Our podcast will be online very, very shortly. You'll get that on Go Loud or get on redfm.ie or from wherever you get your podcasts enjoy your evening folks green reds up next chat next week miss the show grab the big red bench podcast at redfm.ie corks red fm with sure 72 hour non-stop protection tested to the limits sure it won't let you down